Thank you so much for tuning in to the Homestretch podcast, 101 plus tips for navigating assisted living and nursing homes. My name is Chad Schmidt, and I'm really excited to talk with Dr. Miriam. How do I say your last name? Beggy. Beggy. Yes. Miriam Beggy over at UCLA. And our goal here at the Homestretch podcast is to help you learn what questions you need to ask from the professionals, researchers, and the institutions to help you make a more informed decision. And just to kind of introduce you to Miriam, my grandmother passed away in April and she had dementia. And that whole two last two years of her life, I got to see how the slow degradation of my grandmother's brain affected her, but also emotionally my mother my uncle and its effect that it had on me and so now that my grandmother has passed i really wanted to seek out someone that really knew what they were talking about and so i figured there's got to be a lot of great people at usc and ucla that i could probably reach out to and come to find out there's a whole clinical research school over at ucla where they focus on all of these different tests. And I reached out to, you know, Miriam, and she was excited and wanted to be a part of the show. So, Miriam, thank you so much for taking a moment out of your day to educate some of our listeners. But why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do over at UCLA? Okay. Hi, Chad, and hi, everybody. I'm Miriam Beggy. I'm a neurologist, and I'm glad to participate in this podcast, hoping to give some information to people. I'm a neurologist, and over the past 10 years, I have been doing clinical trials for Alzheimer's disease at UCLA, and my interest area is memory disorder uh, most of my time in this uh, a specific subspecialty area of neurology. And also you were saying how you guys have been doing mainly a lot of learning of the natural causes of, you know, these memory issues by just observing. And although there hasn't been an entirely whole lot of success, which I'm hoping to learn in just a moment what you meant by that statement, but if you could kind of just tell us, you know, what what's actually the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's? You know, actually, yeah, this is, uh, I'm glad that you asked this question because this is something that I feel that sometimes also patients uh, are kind of confused. Sometimes they come and see me and they say, doctor, uh, my father has this problem and one doctor says he has dementia. One doctor has al- says Alzheimer's, he has Alzheimer's disease, and kind of they don't know what is what. So, dementia is basically is a general term that the person has had gradual and progressive decline of memory and other cognitive function over years that now it to the point that interfere with his activity of daily living like uh, shopping cooking cleaning even driving or taking care of uh, their finances um so this is basically dementia now what is causing dementia could be different 
So dementia could be caused by Alzheimer's disease, could be caused by multiple uh, stroke, could be caused by some kind of infection, uh, and could be caused by deficiency in vitamins, specifically vitamin B12, or due to chronic multiple head trauma, or even prolonged use of alcohol. So basically, dementia is a general term that implies the person has memory and cognitive problem. Uh, and then depending on what is the cause of it, then it would divide. And Alzheimer's disease is one kind of dementia which has its own specific um, criteria, I mean, with regard to the cause of the disease. Well, it, it almost sounds like when somebody's told that they have cancer, it's like, well, what kind of cancer is it? So exactly, exactly. Yeah, or somebody tells you I have headache. So is it a muscle tension headache? Is it a migraine headache? Is it a uh, headache due to like a head trauma? You know, exactly. So, so you've been focusing your research on both dementia and Alzheimer's or? Mostly, yes, but you know, Alzheimer's disease, because it's more prevalent than the other type of dementia, basically 47 to 66% of the dementia are Alzheimer's type dementia. So the clinical trial for uh, Alzheimer's disease is, is, uh, has been more because there are more people with the disease and there would be more burden on the healthcare and the cost on the healthcare. So there has been more research in this area, hoping that we be able to help more people by finding a treatment. Well, I kind of want to address the white elephant in the room because I'm not really sure if you kind of shared what exactly is Alzheimer's. And is there multiple types of Alzheimer's or is it really just one? Alzheimer's disease, basically, when somebody comes with a memory and cognitive problem, we uh, do a workup, do like a memory testing to see how bad is their memory and other cognitive function like concentration, um, you know, executive function, making decision, judgment, orientation. Um, and if they have problem, uh, with memory, then we do a workup to find out what is causing that. With, of course, it would include doing a blood workup, looking if there are other factors, maybe like some problem, kidneys functioning properly and doesn't mm, removing toxins or waste uh, product that may affect cognitive function or mm, liver function is normal, and also check for the vitamin B12 and some infection that may be causing memory problem. Of course, we get a very detailed history to see if patient has had any history of head trauma in past. When somebody comes with memory and cognitive problem after we did a memory test and make sure that their problem is real, then we do workup to find out what is causing that. Sometimes even a person who is depressed could have some memory or difficulty with concentration. So we look for any other cause. And if we cannot find any other cause, 
then and see some shrinkage or atrophy of the brain, the most likely cause is Alzheimer's disease. However, <clears throat> if we want to look at it pathologically, people who died with Alzheimer's disease, when they uh, take uh, um, their brain under microscope and look at it, we see de deposit of two kinds of protein. One is called amyloid beta, and the other one is tau protein. So at this point, we believe that this amyloid protein, which is on the brain cells and has its own function, and also some other cells in the body have this protein, and after its function is done, just like any other substance in the body, it would break down into pieces by some enzymes, three different enzymes. And this is a process that starts earlier in life, maybe when we are 30, 40. And it seems that this process of amyloid uh, formation and deposit of this amyloid plaque would damage the brain cells. So we will be losing brain cells slowly over the years. And when we get to certain age, maybe 60, 70, which of course depends it varies from one person to another depending on the genetic and the lifestyle and other factors that we have been exposed. We have lost so many cells that we start to feel uh, decline in the memory and cognitive function. Basically, it seems that it's a degenerative disorder that this two protein, amyloid protein and then tau protein, would start the process and cause damage to the brain cells. So that's why nowadays, after we have tried uh, different medication for people who have Alzheimer's disease, uh, have not been successful and, of course, was a disappointment. But then the scientific community came to the conclusion that maybe we are trying too late. Maybe it's like a cholesterol story, you know, cholesterol would deposit in the blood vessels over many, many years, and then when people get to age 50, 60, 70, the blood vessels are narrowed and there is enough deposit to cause heart attack and a stroke. So we started treating people with hypercholesterolemia or hyperlipidemia earlier when they are 30 and 40. So maybe we need to start earlier before people come with the memory problem. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because the, whether it's Alzheimer's or dementia, it sounds like it's a biological issue that may be able to, and forgive me if I'm maybe stating this wrong, it sounds like it could be prevented with some changes because you're trying to maintain a healthy cells, not just in the body, but in the brain. Uh, yes, yes, uh, absolutely. You know, different kind of research has shown that, you know, of course there are some factors that we cannot control. For example, gene, that we are born with it. That's something that we are born with. It. We cannot change it. But we can change our lifestyle. We can have a healthy diet. We can have a healthy lifestyle, like doing exercise. Actually, exercise has shown uh, that uh, would increase the thickness 
of the cortex of the brain and which is for the cognitive function. And also people who did exercise regularly, even people who had Alzheimer's disease, their cognitive decline was slower than the other people. So that's something that we can easily adjust it into our life if we are motivated enough, of course. Uh, if you're motivated enough. Yes. And sometimes it takes some, witnessing somebody that's close to you and your family to actually make the change for yourself. Um, I've talked to a mentor out in California, and I've talked to a mentor here in Houston, and they basically come to the conclusion, like, if their health, body isn't healthy enough, they don't want to drag their family through this disaster and this mess. Like, they want to end it. It's sad to hear them say those types of things and the the things that they've thought about on how they're going to end it. But it's very traumatizing to go through that experience as a witness. That but, you know, uh, this is like even be even before we start having problem. You know, if if you have a healthy lifestyle, if you do exercise regularly, even if you are at risk, if you have uh, some kind of gene that puts you at risk, it seems that the higher education that you have, you have lower risk, or the, if you get even the disease, you will get it later. So it's kind of postponed it. So by doing all these different things, we may be able to postpone it at least even, you know, the beginning of the disease, uh, not when we are into the disease. And hopefully we will find some medication that uh, would prevent the disease and uh, or slow down the disease process. So, Well, the, the other thing that uh, I hope to be able to collaborate with one of your colleagues that's a biologist, and I believe that person is Gary, right? Small. I believe he's he's a little bit more of a biologist, but I'm not 100% sure. But Dr. I, Small is a, a psychiatrist who does a lot of uh, memory disorder research. Biologically, uh, Dr. Greg Cole also does a lot of research. Because what I'm interested in is once you actually get to that point of this elderly phase, how does cell regeneration differ from that of a teenager versus that of an elder? Because if you're going to try to implement some changes through nutrition or exercise, is it too late? And I want, I'm hoping to be able to have a biologist talk about that particular subject that has a little more background in that. But I want to stay focused on what studies and trials that you have been able to do with your research and also kind of tell us what the direction of Alzheimer's disease research is headed because there's about 10,000 people turning 65 every single day yes. and about 4,000 people a day turning 85 years old. Mm -hmm. So there, there, there's a tsunami of people that are entering into that phase of life and also the ones that are already presently in it. So. Can you share with us a little bit about where research in Alzheimer's disease is headed? Uh, okay. Um, you know, basically here uh, we do two kind of uh, uh, 
trials. Uh, one, we call it observational, which means we basically trying to look more to the process of the disease, specifically Alzheimer's dementia, and see what are the factors that could contribute and how we can recognize people who are at risk earlier. It does not include in taking medication. For example, ADNIA study, ADNI3. This is a five-year study that uh, enroll uh, cognitively normal people, people with mild memory problem, and people with early Alzheimer's disease. And these, the volunteers who are interested to participate, and they would have an initial evaluation with memory testing and general physical and neurological examination. And they would have blood tests and genetic testing and MRI and different kind of PET scan that measure amount of amyloid deposit and tau protein deposit in the brain. And then we see them once a year and do repeat most of these tests, and uh, the disease is designed at this point to be for five years. So we see what happens that someone who is the normal, for example, if after five years they start to have memory problem, what happens? What are the changes that happen with the MRI of the brain or PET scan or the blood test or what has been going on through his life? or someone who has a mild memory problem and then converts to Alzheimer's disease. So basically, it gives us a lot of information. And then other studies are clinical trials which involve medication. And generally speaking, you know, these are new medication. They are not FDA approved. They are specifically designed, for example, uh, I told you there is a protein called amyloid protein. There are medications that are specifically designed to be injected to the circulation, get to the brain, stick to the amyloid protein, kind of dissolve the protein and get it into the circulation and get out of the system. So reducing the amyloid deposit in the brain and see if that would help to stop the progression of the disease or slow down the progression of the disease. Or even like anti-tau protein, which again is the medication injected to the circulation, get to the brain, stick to the amyloid protein, and in a way kind of get back, remove that from the brain and get it into the circulation to get out of the system or some other kind of therapeutic agent. For example, at present time, we are trying with uh, vitamin B3 or nicotinamide um, that people will uh, take this medication. Of course, it's a very high dose of medication for about a year. And in order to know if medication is effective or not, at the same time that people who get are in the study, uh, a group of them will take get the real medication and a group of them get something that exactly looks the same if it is the infusion or injection, they get that same kind. I mean, visually looks the same, but one has the active medication, one does not. Or if 
they are taking pills, one get the active medication, the other one take pills that exactly are the same, but probably is more like a sugar pill. So in order to be able to see if medication is effective or not effective. So at present time, we are running the observational study of ADNI3, which basically is looking more to the what kind of uh, changes happen and how we can find some tools that be able to recognize people at risk before they start having memory problems. And other one are the medication that would remove what is thought to be causing Alzheimer's disease and by removing those to see if we can stop the disease or slow down the progression of the disease. And uh, of course, as I said, these are research medication. They are not FDA approved. At present time, we are doing a study with nicotinamide and uh, also are doing this observational study. We just finished a study with the uh, anti-tau protein. We, we are people who are in the study are still coming for medication or placebo, but we cannot enroll anybody else at this point. And also, we have been doing a study that would medication included anti-amyloid medication, which stopped fume just two, three months ago because they felt it's not effective. We are waiting to start two new studies. One of them is anti-amyloid medication, and the other one is the anti-amyloid medication is for mild Alzheimer's disease and mild memory problem or mild cognitive impairment. And also, there is another study coming up. Probably they would start both of them in uh, fall of this year for mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease. So uh, people who are interested, of course, they can contact the center, the Kagan Clinical Trial at Eastern Center at UCLA Neurology Department and uh, ask us about uh, the study that are going on and we, give, we can give them updated uh, information about the study that are going on because, you know, we have different studies that start and sometimes they actually feel very fast and most of them are kind of studies that are global. It's not just in United States, all over the globe and we are one of the sites who enroll the people. Now, you said earlier that uh, before we started recording that you guys haven't really had much success, and I'm curious what you meant by that statement when you said you guys haven't been really successful with certain things. What were you talking about? Uh, you know, over past 10 years that I have been involved, we have tried... Uh, I. So cannot tell you exactly. I don't have it on top of my mind, but probably we have tried nine, ten different medication. And of course, you know, the study with Alzheimer's disease usually the study will be going on for one year, two years, sometimes five years, because you know the disease is not something that you can see the change within few weeks or few months. 
So usually they are longer studies, and the study has been on people with mild memory problem or mild Alzheimer's disease like anti-amyloid medication uh, that I mentioned and uh, some other studies uh, that also was for reducing the amyloid by different other way like uh, inhibiting the enzyme that cause breakdown of amyloid. And basically there has not been any improve any basically we have not been the, the medication has not been able to stop the disease or pro, uh, slow down the progression of the disease that's why i say it has not been successful and that's why we the scientific community thought that maybe we are starting too late maybe we have to move earlier maybe we have to remove this amyloid deposit when people are younger, when they don't have a still memory problem. And that's why nowadays there are some studies that are coming up that uh, enroll people who are cognitively normal, but like they have a family history of Alzheimer's disease or or they have some genes that put them at higher risk for Alzheimer's disease. Of course, Alzheimer's disease is a situation that we cannot diagnose the people before they start having memory problems. We are not still that progress to have any kind of testing to be able to recognize, uh, like cholesterol, that you check your cholesterol, and if it is high, you start taking medication for hypercholesterolemia or hyperlipidemia. However, uh, there are some genes that increase the risk of the people uh, for having, developing Alzheimer's in future. And nowadays, the studies that enroll cognitively normal people concentrate on that specific uh, genes that as a risk factor. Mm, and they test the people and they enroll people who uh, have the gene, which means they have higher risk of having, uh, of developing the disease in later in the life. Well, there's probably a lot of people that are listening here that they've witnessed a parent or a loved one that's maybe older that has some memory issues, and they're actually more in tune with health, a healthy lifestyle, and a fitness regimen and they're trying to implement some of those disciplines because they want to be able to have a more independent lifestyle for as long as possible. And maybe some of them have a belief system that they don't want to take medications or they'd like to avoid taking medications for as long of a period of time. And so because you're mentioning how Alzheimer's and dementia is kind of a biological issue in addition to the genetic structure that somebody is predisposed to, that maybe there is little adjustments that you can implement over time that would postpone or possibly even prevent the development of dementia or Alzheimer's by maintaining healthy cells, not just in the body through exercise and nutrition and a healthy relationships and figuring out how to effectively manage stress, but also with other lifestyle choices, right? 
Of course, yes, of course. Actually, there was a study, I think it was published last year, that the gene, when they put added together, is like 7% was the effect of the gene. And by having a healthy lifestyle and, um, I mean, like uh, eating healthy, having exercise, being uh, active cognitively, higher education, all those factors, you could reduce your risk by 35%, which is very much. Well, it makes me think of my uh, a mentor of mine who I unfortunately never got the chance to meet before he passed away, but he's been a mentor to so many, and his name is Jim Rohn, R-O-H-N. And there's a specific quote that I really connected with when I was younger, and he said, treat your body like a temple, not a woodshed. You only get one body. And I know that Warren Buffett even has been quoted as teaching younger students in college that if you were to have one car for the rest of your life, what kind of car would you have? And we really have to do a a good job of doing the best we can to take care of our body because we only get one. We don't have the ability to interchange and replace parts like you can on a car. And our body is fragile, and it it can be used either for good purposes or for bad purposes. And we each have control of the decisions that we make. And so abusing your body with alcohol or destructive habits, there's also disciplines that we can implement. And I also remember Mr. Rohn saying, there's two pains that we all have to pay throughout our life. One is the pain of discipline and the other is the pain of regret. And the pain of discipline weighs ounces and the pain of regret weighs tons. So I'm really excited to discover, not just for myself, but also the people listening, that dementia and Alzheimer's is more of a cell biological issue. And and there are some steps that can be taken to prevent or at least postpone the development of these proteins that are destructive, not just to the body, but mainly the brain. Absolutely, yes, yeah. And we have to be very vigilant about this lifestyle. And if it happens that we have problem, we look for solution. Uh, don't think that, okay, I'm getting old, it's okay that I start forgetting things. No, it's not okay. It's better that look for reason. And if if it is just age-related, that's fine. You just made sure. But just in case, if it's not and it's due to some other process, then if you attend to it earlier, of course, you could have a better outcome. You still have the chance to modify your lifestyle. And even if you are interested to participate in some kind of research and help yourself and help the community. Well, I'm thankful for time that you've dedicated to spending with with me and with the listeners. I'm curious if there's any recommendations or advice that you would give to somebody that is listening that's an adult that has a loved one, maybe a parent that's in their late 80s that is suffering from the assisted daily tasks that they have and maybe they have dementia, what advice would you give to that adult that's making decisions on their behalf 
and is frequently or infrequently visiting, what would you say to that person? It depends on what stage of the disease they are. If they are at the stage that they cannot make any more decision, uh, make sure that they are in a safe and secure situation. Nobody can uh, abuse them. Something that also happens is that to understand that uh, they forget and they are not doing it on purpose. So don't get mad at them. Don't get angry at them. Try to understand them. I know it's difficult. It's very hard. Sometimes it's really frustrating. But at the same time, caring for these people, it's both physically and emotionally uh, difficult. Uh, it's someone you love, and at the same time, sometimes they act like a child, and it's hard to... It's their disease. It's not them that are doing. There are people, as I said, that are earlier in the disease, of course. You know, seek medical attention. Make sure if it is a problem, it's a problem. And uh, there are some medication, FDA approved, that may help a little bit to improve memory. However, none of the FDA approved medication would change the course of the disease. The disease is progressive and get worse over time and then if you are interested either uh, you or your loved one who has the disease if they are interested and to benefit of course there is always no guarantee uh, but always there is a chance uh, that one of these medications would work participate in the study and you would not lose anything even if the medication doesn't work it helped the community as a whole, and uh, although some of these studies are, or actually up to this point, most of them have been disappointing, but we have learned a lot, and we are not disappointed because we are learning every time, whether it's a trial or whether it's a failure or is a success, we learn new things, and we look into the new ways. So. We are looking forward when we, I'm sure that at some point we are going to find the treatment and uh, and we all have to be optimistic. My goodness, what a wealth of information that was from Dr. Marion Beggy over at UCLA. I want to thank her for sharing with us the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia and where the direction of Alzheimer's research is headed. If you liked what you had heard in this episode, I want to encourage you to visit our website at homestretch101.com where you'll discover the upcoming guests and topics that will be shared in a future episode as well as news and some links to some videos that we've done to educate you on bathroom safety, floor safety and trip hazards, and a couple of other topics. And with that said, I wanna ask you for a favor. There's probably somebody close to you in your life who you haven't had a conversation or connected with in a long time. Would you do me a favor and send that person a text message? Let them know that you love them 
and that you're thinking about them because our life is not guaranteed and you never know when it's all going to end. Until our next conversation, I wish you good health and eternal love and have a beautiful day.